Okay, Rachel, do you want to do the intro? What's the intro? I forgot how uh, it goes. Well, Braden and I can do the intro. You have to rap. You were supposed to have written a, a verse. Okay, I'll start it off. I'll start off, and then Braden will pick up, and then I'll come back in and intro Rachel. Sounds good. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of A Muggle's Perspective. I have, I am uh, Rogi, your host, and I have here with me my friend Brayden, who I think can safely be described as a muggle. Yeah, yeah, I'm still a muggle. How's yeah. it going? Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm doing pretty well, Brayden. This is a especially fun episode for me because we are joined by my lovely wife, Rachel. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, Rachel. Hey. Rachel was our first patron, and because she is in the third, the wizard tier of patrons, she gets to come on to one episode per book. So this is her chosen episode. Rachel, uh, tell us about your experience with Harry Potter, where you fit in the fandom, all that kind of stuff. So I did not have any experiences with Harry Potter when I was younger. I saw the marathons occasionally would be on ABC Family, which is now Freeform Codswallop. Guys, wait, did did you know that they that uh, ABC Family slash Freeform sold the rights to sci-fi and that's who shows Harry Potter marathons now? Really? Yeah. Do they still call it Freeform? Freeform is still called Freeform. And that's a okay, channel. I still don't watch. Okay, but <laughs> the Harry Potter movies are now on sci-fi. Hmm. Like the Sharknado channel. Mm. Okay, now, now you have my interest. <laughs> okay, keep talking. Okay, so you never watched them. Now, was this because your family knew they were evil? <laughs> you weren't allowed to? I was not allowed to watch them when I was younger. Good. That is true. So that's just not something we were interested in. We are more Star Wars. That's kind of that thing as sharknado giant spider movies yeah so when i got into college i met rogi and he realized that i had never seen them before and so we started watching them together and then our relationship grew into an actual relationship rather than a friendship and then we just like harry potter together i finished the last book on our honeymoon so you're saying that brayden and i are going to end up getting married because of this nope we just did. That's I wouldn't all. be so sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So who... This is 2018, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, come on. Brayden. So up to this point in the books, who would you say is your favorite character in the Harry Potter series? Honestly, I think I'm going to say Colin Creevy. Wow. Um, he is just so excited about everything that's going on. Like, he's a full-blown muggle, so he has no understanding of what's happening. It's kind of like Brayden reading through the books. Like, he's just in awe of everything that's happening. And, like, yeah, he's a little annoying, but he's just super cute and just really wants to experience everything to the fullest and is just happy and excited. And I like that pure joy about him. Yeah, he's a good avatar for the readers. I mean, if you were there, you'd be excited about everything, too, if we were there. So I think that's fair. Do you not agree, Brayden? You don't think that's a fair answer? Um, I can't disagree with any of Rachel's points. At this point, in my, my little um, knowledge of who Colin Creevy is, he really annoys me. <laughs> so 
when she first said that, I was like, really? That that's your favorite character? But I mean, I'll give him I'll give him time. Thank you. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like he is annoying, but that's that's being twelve. The whole point of being twelve years old as Harry is is being annoyed by eleven year olds. It didn't really bother me until um, the Quidditch practice, and he started taking pictures of Harry. Which, like, I get it. You know, basically, your favorite athlete is out there practicing. Like, you're gonna you're gonna pull your phone out and take some pictures. But I mean, he's got a full on old timey camera. Yeah, and like the sound it's making is like catching the attention of other players. It's clearly a distraction. Like, you gotta reel the fandom in here a little bit. That's fair. So you are a Colin Creevy fan. Do you have a house that you associate yourself with? I'm definitely in Gryffindor. Why? Uh, I am not smart enough to be in Ravenclaw. Oh, you're very smart. I am not nice enough to be in Hufflepuff. <laughs> and I'm not mean enough to be in Slytherin. <laughs> so I'm a solid Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that the personality is that how you decide <laughs> is it just are those the criteria have you taken the quiz on pottermore who are you asking rachel oh i'm so sorry yes i have taken the quiz on pottermore yeah, and i got placed in gryffindor okay well there you okay. go all right yeah. where dwell the brave at heart so as a true gryffindor you have volunteered to be our first guest our first patron to come on the episode so the besides that, I mean, the episode's going to be pretty much run the same way. We'll talk through the chapters, and just when Rachel has stuff to chime in, then she'll have to uh, shout us down and try to get a word in edgewise. You know, Braden's uh, really talkative. It can be hard to get your own thoughts in there. So I get it, Rachel. I feel you. But we're just going to kind of do the same thing we always do, listeners. We're going to talk through the episodes. We're going to do the Chamber of Sea quotes. We're going to do a – Braden's going to have a beef – I'm beefing. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, boah, boah, boah. <laughs> Britain's beef. <laughs> Britain's going to have a beef. Uh, we do have a patron's peeve that we're going to come up with later here in the episode. We're going to jump right into Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Braden, what did you think of these two episodes compared to the episodes of these two chapters compared to the last two that we read? Um, so... Re- Remind me of the last two chapters, the big mm, points. So, so that that's the hardest thing for me is like we spend so much time between chapters. I need like a refresher. So the last two chapters were the Whomping Willow. They got blocked mm-hmm. by the at the barrier. They couldn't get through. They had to drive a car to school. And yes. then we had Gilderoy Lockhart, which is basically being introduced to Lockhart. Uh, we're starting second year. Harry going to his classes. Lockhart thinks Harry is trying to get famous. Mm-hmm. Signed he's photos. The tool. Yeah, he's being Lockhart. So now we're to Mudbloods yeah. and Murmurs, and that's really where it starts out. We get about a page of Harry having to dodge Lockhart, who's running into him everywhere in the hallways. He's having to dodge Colin Creevy, and this is just the most famous we've ever seen Harry. Yeah, the fame's really setting in. Now, is it is his life really that annoying? I mean, can you put yourself in these shoes of someone that is walking around school and, like, constantly in your life there are these two people that you're trying to avoid? I don't know if I can put myself in his shoes. Have um, you ever been famous, Brayden? I've never... Well, I assume 
it's hard to say now. How many how many subscribers do we have? <laughs> Producer Jeremy, how many subscribers do we have? Oh, a million? Wow, I guess we got a million subscribers now. Wow, so I guess I'm I'm going through it right now. Yeah. Um no, I I think the Colin Creevy thing is like a lot different than the Lockhart thing. Um that's like innocent fame, like teenage girls showing up at your concert. Like that's the Colin Creevy Which thing. Which we've all experienced. Yeah. And <laughs> then the Lockhart thing is like uh like creepy dad that thinks way too highly of himself. Um and kind of I feel like is going to end up making life a lot harder for Harry at Hogwarts. Yeah, I like that creepy dad analogy. I definitely everyone knows that one dad that you're like, "Yep, hello, Mr. Smith." Like, "Yep, thanks." Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I want to hear Rachel talk about Lockhart because she, when we were talking before the episode, had seemed like a lot more to say about him. Than well, I that's do. her patron's peeve for this week. Rachel, what are your thoughts on Gilderoy? Yeah, I don't like him at all. I find him extremely annoying when I watched the movies first. So that's how I kind of got indoctrinated and immediately... As soon as he came on screen and started talking, I was annoyed. And I was just in that constant state whenever he popped up. And that same thing happened when I read the books for the first time. I was just like, ugh. I would make that verbal sound and, like, my shoulders would slump. And I would almost become, like, depressed that I was having to, like, be involved (laughs) with this character. Um, but yeah, it would just kind of be frustration because of the things that he would do and how he acted just pompous and yeah, he, he, JK did a great job with this character because I, she did exactly what her, she finished her goal with him because I don't like him. I don't want to see him. I get annoyed with him every time he comes around. She did a great job portraying him how she was wanting to so let me ask as someone who hasn't seen the chamber of secrets movie and both of you can answer this do they i don't know who directs the harry potter movies but said director do they do a good job of choosing the right actor for gilderoy yeah it's it's kenneth branagh who plays gilderoy who is basically like a fame he was famous before this role for being a like Shakespearean stage actor, like doing very serious roles, and I am I allowed to look up a picture? Of him? Um, yeah, you can. Is That's that fine. Look, just okay. look up Kenneth okay. Branagh. Okay. How do you spell his last B-R-A-N-A-G-H. name? B R A N A G H. Okay. Oh yeah. What else is he in? He's in like. Should tell me. Hamlet. Um, Thor. Okay. Thor? I guess he's in Thor. Anyway, um, yeah, I think he does a good job of capturing the Lockhart air of sort of vapid, like there's nothing there going on, but also, like, yeah, like you said, pompous and and very confident, unearned confidence. Like suave, Mm -hmm. too. Like, he 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 thinks he's suave. Yeah. That's what he's trying to put on mm-hmm. is that he is just very calm and collective and just kind of slides in and 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he definitely wants everyone to know when he walks in the room. What? Did he go to Hogwarts? What house is mm-hmm. he in? Yeah, he was a Ravenclaw. Really? Mm-hmm. Was that already stated? In no, the book? that's that's an that? extra thing on Pottermore. Oh, okay. Yep. So we've got to avoid these guys, but then the big point that we get to in Mudbloods and Murmurs is Quidditch practice. So were you at all surprised when Wood shook Harry awoke for Quidditch practice? Did you... Was that on the top of your head? Like, oh, yeah, here's going to go to Quidditch practice. No, that was a surprise, but I like it. It's very in character. I like where Wood's head's at. Yeah. I think that um, Wood sees the opportunity with Harry. You know, you've got the you got the player of a lifetime there in the Gryffindor house, and you got to take advantage of it. you got to get the team together and rally around him. Yeah, I guess in... Get out there early. It reminds me of um, you know NFL team camps going on right now. Like those guys got to get used to each other, build the chemistry. The earlier you get out there, the better. The guys that are like holding out, waiting for a better contract, are going to be a few steps behind. So you know, get the team out there early. You, you've got to. I feel like that can only be a good thing. Got to take advantage of your short championship window. That's what I mean. Yeah. In Hogwarts They're, Quidditch. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So that was one of my questions I was going to ask. Are Wood's training tactics reasonable? And you're like, yeah, get up early. I think so. I mean, like, yeah, it's the – if I'm on Team Gryffindor and I'm, like, wanting to sleep in on a Saturday, I'm a little bummed. But I think it will pay off in the season. Here's what I'm saying. Like, just tell them. Just schedule it. Mm. Maybe two days before. That was weird. Hey, guys. Yeah. Yeah. We have – Early morning Quidditch yeah. practice. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Because he's keeping them on their toes. At the that's true, I guess. There are no scheduled practices. It's whenever he bursts into your bedroom. At the risk of reading too deeply into this, I get that he can just open up Harry's door and go shake him awake, and he does that with the Weasley mm-hmm. twins. But how did he mm-hmm. wake up his chasers? That's a good point. That's a good point. He's not allowed in the girl storms. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. Did he throw rocks yeah. at their window in Gryffindor Tower? Maybe he's um, maybe he's dating one of them, and we don't know it. He got on his broom and went up to the window <laughs> and started tapping, and was like, "Hey, hey, hey, get up! Wake up! Still not okay. Still not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. Like you can't. He can't. It's not okay. He can't be. He he can't be outside their window. Like, I mean." They could be changing. They could be doing anything that girls need to do. How early was it? That's what girls do. Change. Yeah. There could be a lot of changing going on in there. Harry says to Oliver, it's the crack of dawn. It's at the break of dawn. Yeah. What girl is getting up changing at the break of dawn? On a Saturday? On a Saturday. Um, Ones that are trying to get out to watch famous Harry Potter play Quidditch. Gotta look good for that. No. Heard that. Braden heard it. Wish I didn't just hear that, but I heard that. So, reasonable. We've got to be ready. Wood, so we get some wood, like, speeches. You know, as Wood does, he goes on and on about what the tactics are going to be. Oliver. 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 So, we're on page uh, 108, 109. 
So the bottom of 108, Wood says, Now listen here, you lot, glowering at them all. We should have won the Quidditch Cup last year. We're easily the best team. But unfortunately, owing to circumstances beyond our control. And he's like just blaming Harry here for them not winning the year before. Is that fair? Is that Does he really blame Harry for this? Okay, so I saw this question on the rundown and I thought, you know, my first reaction was like, no, that's not fair. But why else would they, what else would you blame it on? I mean, like, do you have to blame? It's just like, yeah, this happened. And like, I'm sorry, Harry defeated Voldemort, like saved the world. And so you just well, don't complain I don't about he's it? Explicitly, I don't think he's explicitly like... Like, he says due to unforeseen circumstances. It's not like, well, Harry sucks, and that's why we lost. It's like, well, you know, Harry had to look evil in the face and defeat it. But well, counterpoint on page I mean, 109. right or wrong, like, right or wrong, as far as his tactics go, it's not, like, it's the truth. If Harry's there, they probably win. I think we also need to consider that Oliver lives and breathes Quidditch. This is all he cares. He doesn't care about Voldemort. He That's didn't what care I'm about what happened last year. Like, yeah, he's annoyed, but like, this is his first. Isn't this their first practice? Like, this is their first time to get out there. He just needs to say all that needs to be said about last year and then move on. Wood took a moment to regain control of himself. Their last <laughs> defeat was clearly still torturing him. I mean, he has not slept since last season. Yeah, this guy's intense. <laughs> He's been sitting on his broom looking into the girls' dormitory for nine months, oh, no. waiting for those seekers to wake up. Hopefully not. It's not okay. But he's like he's intense and you don't you you know, if you're a member of the Gryffindor team, you're not questioning your captain's passion for the game. That's true. So I can respect that. Was it was it necessary for him to point out why they lost? Probably not. All I'm saying is he's not wrong. <laughs> necessary, no. Fair, yes. Yeah. So he takes an hour explaining like tactics and diagrams and stuff that they just ignore. Yep. Going to run the triangle offense. So like, yeah, yeah the, the motion... Mm-hmm. The motion offense. So, okay, like, that's fine. New scheme this year. They're not really getting out there. And then they finally do, and my guy Malfoy walks up with a note from Snape. Not Malfoy. Okay, Malfoy's on the team. But we don't see him yet. He's he's there. He's in the group that walked up. The, the Slytherin team has a note saying, I, Professor S. Snape. Give the Slytherin team permission to practice today on the Quidditch field owing to the need to train a new seeker. Is this fair? Gryffindor booked the pitch. It's not fair, but I also think the entire point system that they allow the professors to just like dictate them amongst themselves is also unfair. So in the spirit of that, if I'm Snape, yeah, why not? It's just do whatever you want. Yeah, that's I, honestly that's what it well, is. What if, like other than the What if McGonagall wrote that same note and they just both showed up with notes? Like what are we talking about? It's just a note. Yeah, it is funny that all the Gryffindors just sort of like accept that like, "Oh crap, they have a note." Yeah, like the, like wow, we can't it's do a anything. It's a note versus I signed up on the 
paper. I'm assuming there's some sort of Google Doc that they use to keep track of who gets the pitch. The official pitch Google Doc, yeah. It seems like that should override so what, the note. So what should they have done? Should they have gone to Dumbledore? Well, I mean, in... Probably Hagrid, right? In <laughs> fairness, Flint says... What does he say? He says there's plenty of room for both Yeah, teams. where is that? Oh, it's on the bottom of page 110. He had a look of trollish cunning on his face. Plenty of room for all of us. And, like, that's fair. Like, you can just... Yeah, it's like splitting the field. Like, doing yeah. a half-and-half half thing, and then maybe, maybe you could scrimmage a little bit at the end. Uh, does, is that going to end well? No. But it's, again, referring to NFL team camp. Like, people get in fights. It's part that's of true. it. At camp? Uh, yeah, they, they yeah. do oh, yeah. joint practices sometimes. Really? Mm-hmm. NFL Twitter refers to it as skirmishes. Yep. <laughs> skirmishes. Get off me. <laughs> There's a lot of gear off in me. Yeah. At NFL Tons. joint practices. So okay. Snape sends a note, and then I can't, I can't let this go. On page 111, Fred, aren't you Lucius Malfoy's son? <laughs> like, how does Fred still not know who Malfoy is? So I couldn't tell if that was sarcastic or not. Kind of like a shot at, like, oh, wait, you didn't even play last year. Like, who are you? <laughs> like, I don't even recognize you. Do you, like, are you, do you go to school here? I hope that's true. I mean, I just don't read that, said Fred, looking at Malfoy with dislike. So, like, I get, I guess, you know? Well, you tell me. Like, like I said, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know how they portray that. Oh, that line film, is, but, like, is definitely not said. Oh. Okay. Well, then it's up for interpretation then. How do you read it, Rachel? I I don't know. Because when I was kind of glancing through the book, the chapters again, and I can see it being sarcastic because it's Fred and George. But also, like, they just, like, re-met him at the beginning of the school year because they saw him at Flourish and Blots, right? When the yeah. whole thing went down with the parents. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't a surprise. It's like they they clearly know who he is. So I, I feel right. like it has to be sarcastic because come on. I'm going That's where I was coming I from. Direct- like they know who they know who Draco yeah. is. Page 39. So we're on we're in the flying car and they're trying to think of someone with a grudge against Harry who mm. would send Dobby to him as a joke. Draco Malfoy, Harry explained, he hates me. Draco Malfoy, said George, turning around. Not Lucius Malfoy's son. I've heard Dad talking about him. He was a big supporter of you-know-who. Lucius Malfoy. They they seem to know Lucius Malfoy better than Draco Malfoy. Okay. Are Fred and George just that much cooler than Harry and Ron when they're at school that they don't even know anyone like two grades down? I just feel like, like Rachel was saying, after that whole episode in the store, like where their dads got into a dad fight. Yeah, and so that's how I he mean, knows like, him. He's like, oh, that's that kid that was hanging around with Lucius Malfoy. So what I'm saying is, how did they not know this guy from the year before? I don't know. Yeah. Um. What were your thoughts on the whole new broom situation? Um. So that's sort of... I mean, can I segue into my beef? Britain's beef. Uh, ooh, that was a real beefy one. <laughs> a real beefy intro. 
Jeremy, keep that one. Um, so my beef for chapters seven and eight. Is that we're, we're in eight, seven and eight, seven right? Seven and yeah. eight. Um, and this is more of an open-ended one, so it's more like Brayden's beef? Question mark. Brayden's um, beef. Yeah, there you go. That sounds like Pluto. Or Scooby. Oh, mm-hmm. that's probably better. So if broomsticks really create or or have the potential to create an advantage, shouldn't every Quidditch player in the House Cup have to use like the same brand or the same like all seekers use the same broomstick, all uh, beaters use the same broomstick, right? Like a like if you're sponsored by I don't know, Nike or something. Like Nike provides all the sticks and if you play a certain position, you use this stick. I imagine you saying sticks and it has like an apostrophe in front of it. Like you don't want to say broomstick. Oh, grab my stick and head out to yeah. the pitch. Quidditch slang. Rachel, thoughts? Now, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on well, that? Well, don't in high school, like not all the kids have the same cleats. Well, I went to a very tiny high school. So like, I mean, I played volleyball. I played lots of, lots of finger quotes here, quotation marks. I played volleyball for a year. And so, like, I did not have the same quality of things that, like, other people on the team did. But Okay, so I, I thought of that. Do those give the same competitive advantage? That was my point. Because I immediately thought of, like, bats in, in baseball or softball. Like, you can buy a $400 baseball bat or you could buy a $100 baseball bat. The $400 one might be better, might look nicer. At the end of the day, if you're not a good hitter, it really doesn't matter what bat you're using. But if you're flying around on a friggin' broomstick and one is, like, immensely faster than the other and, like, handles better, that's a huge advantage. That can make kids like Malfoy, who's not even good, all of a sudden be in the same, like, playing field as Harry. Listeners, I need to point out that Braden has not seen Malfoy play Quidditch. He's just assuming he's bad. I am assuming he's not as good as Harry. My standard is Harry here because Harry played as a first year. Draco was nowhere to be found during first year. That's true. So I'm not trying to say Draco's bad. I'm sure he's decent. That's I mean, obviously J.K. Rowling's going to create the rivalry there on the Quidditch pitch as well. But like Hermione says, like I think you liked that quote. Like she had. Like, at least the Gryffindor players didn't have to buy their way onto the team. Yeah, they, she says they got in on pure talent. And so this is just a yeah. long-running question of, like, what does talent mean on a Quidditch pitch? So, like, we know, for instance, there's people like Neville and Hermione who are just bad at flying. Like, flying on a broomstick is not their thing. So mm-hmm. to a certain extent, it's on the person to keep balance and to turn quickly and intuitively okay so maybe handling isn't that big of a deal but like speed definitely is Um, right yeah i mean like i'm you know positioning is important knowing where to go um angles cutting things off but but you'd think having better top end speed would just be objectively better yeah so i don't know i'm open for discussion on on this particular beef if listeners have an opinion i'd be open to hearing that as well isn't it like the different vehicles like in mario kart then that like not everyone has the fastest bike but like they like the different characters use it better because they're like lighter or heavier or whatever like that it just really depends on like who the person is that's operating that 
That's true. Maybe some brooms yeah. don't get the, as high of a top speed, but they have better balance and they are uh, steadier in the wind or something like that. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. I guess, to me, at the bare minimum, there should be like some sort of sanctioning body yeah. or committee that kind of regulates like what broomsticks you can and cannot use that's super fair like lest we forget mcgonagall just bought harry a broom first year the best yeah. broom and not everyone has access to these i think part something that we are undervaluing a little bit is familiarity with a broom so like even if harry jumped on harry's really good and he could make like one of the bad school brooms decent, but it would it takes time for him to get mm-hmm. used to kind of how it handles and how it controls. And so that's why they don't just give school issued brooms is so that people can practice at home and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then just usually parents aren't going to buy their kids the world's nicest broom. But there should be someone telling Malfoy's dad that he can't do that. Yeah, no, that's definitely, like, that's a booster thing. Like, there's, like, he shouldn't be able to buy that stuff for the team. He should be able to buy that for his kid, but. Well, how else is he going to get Draco on the team? He's no other way. That's my point. I mean, this probably only happens in Slytherin, right? Yeah. Can you see the Hufflepuffs doing this? Dude, in my mind, like Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw don't care that much about Quidditch. <laughs> That's probably totally wrong. It is. But, like, they're just off page. I mean, we on- we only talk about Slytherin and Gryffindor, so. Yeah, I mean, like they they have pride. They care about their own teams. Um, we see Gryffindor and Slytherin play against them. So, I mean, they win and they have captains and strategies and that kind of stuff so you you kind of hit on the quote that transitions us into the next part of the chapter Hermione says at least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in they got in on pure talent and then how does Malfoy respond he drops the uh the m word did you how quickly did you realize how big of a deal this was um well, it says Harry knew at once that Malfoy had said something really bad because there was an instant uproar at his words. So I kind of assumed, like, in my mind, I saw the scene from Sandlot when um, Hamilton the Babe Porter tells the, uh, like, rich kids that ride in on their bikes, like, you play ball like a girl. <laughs> and, like, the camera just pans to everyone's face, including his own teammates, with just this, like, total look of bewilderment like their jaws hit the their their jaws hit the floor um, see i thought that's what i thought I you were saw. referencing the scene where he see i'm not that familiar with sandlot but the kid Squints. brings his dad's babe ruth signed ball oh, and they oh. hit that over the field <laughs> and he's like oh yeah it was signed by some guy named ruth and they were like the sultan of some lady yeah some lady baby ruthie <laughs> and yeah. they're freaking out that he would bring a babe ruth signed ball yeah i saw more of like this is an insult that, like, it's just kind of an unwritten rule. You don't say it aloud. Um, yeah, you definitely... So when he did, everyone was kind of like... <gasps> it is definitely a big deal. Um, and Ron just goes for it. Yeah, and it, I knew this was going to happen. Like, he's got to get that wand fixed. 
my guy. This is getting ridiculous. If only he had, like, a rich best friend. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm starting to get annoyed with Harry. For Ron's wand. Like, be a friend. Go grab some money. Help him out. Yeah, it seems like for Harry's own safety. Yeah, because, I mean, this, these are some pretty serious repercussions from his, like, malfunctioning wand. He's vomiting slugs. Yeah, he sure is. And not just once. This is like a... This happens over a course of, a th- like, two or three days, right? Um, It's hours. He's it, By the end of that day, he's good to go on it. I mean, either way, like, once would be enough. Yeah, and it just keeps happening. Dude's vomiting like slugs the entire day. Like, three at once at some point. I like the depiction of the Slytherin team. They were paralyzed with laughter. Flint was doubled up. Malfoy was on all fours, banging the ground with his fist. Have you ever actually laughed that hard, sincerely? No. No one has. So Malfoy is just purposely overreacting to try to shame Ron more, right? The pounding of the fist on the ground is a telltale sign of overreaction. No one has ever laughed that hard. I'm not saying no one has ever doubled over in laughter. Rolled on the floor, maybe. No one has ever pounded the floor they were laughing so hard. Rachel? I feel like I might have seen some people laugh that hard before. Down on all fours. To where where it caused them to punch the floor. Like, slap it. Yeah. Not their knee. Yeah. The floor. Well, they're not. They're on their knees. They fell to their knees. See, like, I've, I've fallen off of something laughing so hard. Like, I've fallen out of a chair. I have rolled around on the ground. I've ruffled. Yeah. So, either way, it doesn't matter. It's just that Malfoy is doing Malfoy things, and I kind of wish Ron would have just, like, ran over and puked some slugs on him while he was on the ground. Into his hair. You'd have to spend six more hours redoing yeah. it, re-greasing it. Yeah. So... Harry's like, oh, let's just take him to Hagrid. Obviously. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious that that's their reaction. <laughs> well, Hagrid's house. It's closer? Hagrid's house is close. Yeah. I mean, taking it from the Quidditch pitch all the way up to the nurse. That's a far... They can do magic. Why can't he just levitate him up through the window? Does he know with how? With wood. Put him on a broom. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to need Hermione to do that. Well, Harry right. can, if we're levitating him, yes. But Harry can just, like, wrap his arms around Ron and hop on the broom together. Like, a broom can fit two people. Hmm. Well, for context's sake, I have no idea how far the nurse's office is from the Quidditch pitch. That's far. On foot, I'm, I'm thinking at least 20 minutes. Seriously? Oh, yeah. This is like one side of Grace College to the other. That helps me not at all <laughs> in terms of context. It's like from Triple X. I have Wabash and Purdue. It's to like go from Triple X to Mackey Arena. Okay, yeah. So not close. Not close. Not far, but not close. I mean, they're on the grounds. So I, I like, there's actually a line from the movie that I really appreciate that Hagrid says here when they get there. He says, oh, this calls for specialist equipment. And slams a bucket down in front of Ron. <laughs> yeah, like quit vomiting in my wooden house. So we get we get some conversation about this whole term mud blood, and uh, I just want to know what your thoughts on it. Does it surprise you that Malfoy is this guy that's going to say 
mudblood? No, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably a word that he's heard around the house. I'm thinking Lucius throws that one around quite a bit. And no one really explained to him that that's not something you say in public. Now, are there any... And so Malfoy's... Are there any parallels you're making Malfoy's here? Malfoy's thinking he's tough. I heard you say the M word that makes me think of the N word, obviously. Is that what you'd say is kind of the parallel? Yeah, I felt like the way J.K. Rowling wrote it, it kind of had like almost a racist feel. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know, putting it in context of the situation, it kind of seems... And, and just talking about, like, it's a direct shot at, like, your bloodline. Yeah, like, who cares about bloodlines, so you know? It, Not non-racist right. people. Well, and, like, Ron explains... Yeah, and Ron explains well, like, why that has zero relevance to anything. It's just, it's just like, a ignorant comment. Ignant? It was ignorant. <laughs> I don't think I would... Disrespectful. I don't think I would go so far to say is that Draco, like, doesn't know the... Like, he doesn't know, like, the full effect of it. He's just, like, heard it around the house. I think that he knows, like, exactly what it is, and he purposefully said it to either make himself seem like a bigger guy or, and just to, like, kind of, like, drive the knife in to, like, make her feel like trash. I mean, why do racist people say racist stuff, like, to people? Just for shock value, to make yourself feel important. Yeah. I was likening it more to, like, you know, you're a little kid on the bus and you hear like a really um, serious cuss word for the first time. Like you hear it in like, context, you understand me. what they're saying. Yeah. And so you go in, you get in a fight the next day on the playground. You're like, you know what? I heard that real bad word and I know it's like real bad. So I'm going to drop this one on them. And it's more like a, you kind of understand. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Malfoy maybe have like a, it does seem like he knew exactly what he was doing using that, but... But you're inclined to give Malfoy some benefit of the doubt here. True. I mean, you yeah, as in Brady. I'm trying to keep in perspective... They're Muggles. perspective. Yes. I'm trying to keep in Muggles' perspective. As the editress, Jessica, reminds me to do so, he's 12, so... Can 12-year-olds be racist? I think so. I think they can be raised to be racist. Racist? Yeah, exactly. Look at us on this Harry Potter podcast just dealing with social issues. Welcome to uh, Muggle's Perspective. That is, I mean, JKR is pretty into some social issues. Like on Twitter, she's all about... The whole Brexit thing and Scotland becoming a country, and then she has this giant. So you know she's like the richest woman in the world, or like that's I'm sure that's not true, but she's like right up there, like she's a billionaire. Yeah, I would have to think. I mean, as well as the Harry Potter series has yeah. done. So she has a big foundation that she puts a ton of money into called Lumos, and so she what she's all about is um, orphanages and institutions. So there's all this research that shows that kids who are institutionalized uh, just are way behind and, like, it's really bad for their development. And there's a bunch of orphanages in third world countries that will take kids that are not orphans just from their parents 
and just throw him in there and to get like you know people tourists from the united states basically to come and like volunteer there and give them money and they're just like making money on it like for-profit orphanages so anyway she's really big into that so all of that to say yeah social issues it's not just all lighthearted and magic spells and stuff like that yeah, this is the very beginning of, like, mm-hmm. just kind of we're going to see more of this and the ideas of it, so. Spoilers. So so you're saying, like, J.K. Rowling is specifically writing this with, like, a kind of a social bend? Um, I'm just saying that, like, she as a person is, cons- you know, has a social worldview yeah. and that kind of thing is going to come through in your writing. Sure. So she doesn't cool. she doesn't shy away from <clears throat> excuse me uh, putting those kinds of issues in a world. I mean, I think it's realistic. You're in the wizarding world, and there's going to be there's people who are racist in in our Muggle world, and there's going to be racist wizards. They am racist wizards. <laughs> they am racist wizards, indeed. So we've got the backfiring wand that needs to get fixed. I really liked that Lockhart and showed why, up. I, I don't want to leave that yet without asking, why isn't it getting fixed? Um, I mean, we're still just stuck with what Ron said a couple chapters ago, that there's no way his parents are going to buy him a new one after he crashed it. the... Well, he crashed the car. St- you don't crash the car and then I go. I still just can't get over the fact... I, I still can't get over that the professors and the people in administration are, like, okay with that. Like, they're trying to teach him how to be an effective and well-trained wizard. How are you going to do that if you're making yourself vomit slugs because your wand is broken? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems like he's a danger to those around him. I mean, you can't just poverty shame the guy, I guess. No, but I've... How many classes does he actually use it in? Um, Charms. Charms. Transfiguration. Potions okay. sometimes. Hmm. Like a little. A little. How much is it? Cursing Malfoy. How much is a wand? Isn't it like 100 galleons? It's like 10 to 12 galleons. 10 to 12 galleons. Oh, okay. But that's like one That is like, like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Ours, right. Okay. So, yeah. I just feel like Hogwarts should have a set of like just very basic, boring wands just in case, like, students break them and need a loaner until they can buy a new That's one. That's actually super true. I agree. I've never heard that before, and I agree with that take. I'm I sure mean, the teachers have backup I mean, wands. mostly just... Right, and but I'm saying mostly just because of your point. Like, he's a danger at this point to students around him and the professors themselves. Yeah, he smacks Flitwick. Was that last chapter? Is that this chapter? I think it was this one. He... Launches yeah. something and it hits Flitwick in the face. Like a square between, yeah, between the eyes, the eyes or something. It raises yeah. a green lump. Hmm. But yeah, that's a good point, Brayden, having like spares and stuff. Because I mean, Rogi taught and like he had extra pencils and pens and erasers. And I mean, the kids mm-hmm. would have to like turn something in to get it, but. Their phones right. usually. For a Sharpie, something valuable like a Sharpie, I'd make, me, make them give them their phones up. So Lockhart is around, 
Does Hagrid? Hagrid's not big into Lockhart. Ugh. I, I would have loved if J.K. Rowling wrote about the conversation. <laughs> like, we got to, like, kind of jump worlds into, like, the mind of Hagrid as that was going on. Like, he's just imagining calmly, like, pulling off his fingers and limbs. Yeah, just... like, as he's, like, it's it's showing Lockhart talking, and hit the sound of his voice just sort of fades, and you're looking at Hagrid's face, and he's just sort of, like, dazed. And then you go into what is, like, Hagrid's imagination, and he's, like, just, like, you would, like, flick a little paper ball across a desk. Like, he just flicks Lockhart's head off of his yeah. shoulders. <laughs> Feeds him to Fang. Yeah. So, Hagrid does reveal something to us about Lockhart on page 114, specifically. I think it's page 114? That's what I wrote, was that it was page 114. Um, it could be page one. Oh, it's page 115, excuse me. Um, he was the only man for the job, said Hagrid, offering them a plate of treacle fudge. And I mean the only one, getting very, diffi- getting very difficult to find anyone for the dark arts job. People aren't too keen to take it on, see? So it's not that Lockhart convinced Dumbledore that he was awesome. It's that Dumbledore could literally not get anyone to come do this job. That made me feel better when I read this because that was a question in my mind. When he announced that he was going to be a professor, I was really starting to question like Dumbledore's interviewing skills. <laughs> he hired Voldemort last year on accident. Yeah, like, maybe we need to get a committee in there, but get, this Get McGonagall sense. in on the interview process. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think that there's a chance the job is actually jinxed? Um, I mean, I think it's, like, a job, a position within Hogwarts that, um, he who shall not be named is very interested in. I'll just say that. What does that mean? I think that... I'm trying to think how to, like, phrase it. I think this is a position that Voldemort pays attention to. I think it's probably whoever is hired, he or she... um, probably has some strange things happen to them um maybe i don't know i just feel like voldemort is pretty involved behind the scenes with whoever's in this job so yes voldemort jinxed the job is what you're saying i don't know if jinx is the right word i just think he's like i mean yeah i guess it comes out to the same thing he he makes sure it yeah goes weirdly for you yeah yeah exactly Interesting. Um, A couple other things in this chapter before we move on. So we do get to see some detentions, which I have this question. Which one is worse, cleaning trophies with Filch or answering fan mail with Lockhart? Rachel, which one is worse to you? Um, Probably the cleaning one because I don't really like cleaning. So you're choosing to be with Lockhart. I mean, I can put up with his annoyingness for an hour. I'm just imagining four hours. But was it supposed to be that long? Ron I'm just took imagining even 
hanging out with Filch for a long period of time and him just like sputtering and being mean and kind of maybe spitting on me while I'm like really just trying to hardcore clean this without magic like vomiting slugs on it yeah then yeah just having to re-clean it after that in this specific scenario I would choose to do my detention with Lockhart even though how disgusted I am with him Braden do you agree I 100% agree. Wow. Um, Because I actually think it would be kind of funny to sit and listen to um, Lockhart talk about his fans and how crazy they are about him. Like, I think his arrogance is comical at times. So, like, I'm not saying I would want to go sit and help him address fan mail. Like, that is a punishment. But, like Rachel said, given the two... I could at least, like, it's not hard work. I'm sitting there just addressing envelopes, and I get to listen to this tool talk about how great he thinks he is. And it's it's kind of funny. Versus, like, yeah, Filch seems, like, pretty weird and creepy. Gross. And, uh, like, Ron comes back sore, right? Yeah. Like, his muscles are seized up from polishing the house cup or whatever. The Quidditch Cup? Yeah, so it's kind of a unique situation because Ron is actively bad at cleaning like a muggle because he's used to things being cleaned by magic. And Harry's mm-hmm. actively good at cleaning things because the Dursleys use him as slave labor. Now, if you ask me what I would want to do if I'm Harry, obviously, like, I totally get why Harry is, like, dreading this. Why? Because Lockhart wants to, like, act like they're one and the same. Like, he understands what Harry's going through. And he doesn't. I mean, he needs to give Harry useful advice. Like, fame is a fickle friend. And fame is a fickle friend, Harry. Or celebrity is as celebrity does. Remember that. It's a good one to get tattooed, I think. <laughs> Just a, a reminder. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Celebrity is as celebrity does. Good point. Right on the yeah. shoulder. What should I... What would, what would Gilderoy do in this situation? WWGD. Yeah. So before Lockhart lets Harry out on of his own accord, Harry hears, come, come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. What's going on here? This is one of your predictions. What is this voice? Voldemort. It's Voldemort. Harry is hearing yep. Voldemort. Yep. Because I think there's that familiar relation, man. We're talking about the heir, you know, later on. The heir to the Chamber of Secrets or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there's some sort of weird, like, like I said from the very beginning, like, um, Star Wars. Luke, you are my, f- or. <laughs> yep, that's it? the quote. <laughs> <laughs> I totally dropped that. Luke, you are my father type thing. Um, I, yeah, I think there's some sort of, like, weird relation between Voldemort and Harry. So basically, Harry's hearing this voice because of his weird Voldemort hair relationship. Yes. And that's putting a speaker in Harry's head that no one else can hear. Well, like, why is it's like it's an invitation? That's the weirdest part, right? Like, what is the exact quote? Where, what page is that? One twenty. Come, come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. Just a side note, this is the one, like, when I read that, it was like a light bulb going off, like, 
wait, this is a children's book, right? <laughs> yep. Like this, this got real. Yeah. Rip, kill, tear. I mean, we get more of it in the next chapter, but I kind of wanted to get your take on what's going on here in a, in a basic sense. Harry's hearing. I'll be honest. Voldemort. I had no idea what to do with it other than I do think it's Voldemort's voice that he's like, because only Harry can hear it, right? Yes. So that's what, I don't know. It could be totally ridiculous, but I felt like it, it pointed me back to my original feeling of like there is some sort of weird relationship between Voldemort and Harry, like familial or I don't even know. Yeah, that's fair. Do you guys have any vague like foreshadowing things to say? Come, come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. So yeah, Voldemort. <laughs> um, Braden, I need you to take us into the Chamber of Sea Quotes for Chapter Seven. Um, my favorite quote, as I was in the chamber, I'm trying to find the exact page for you. I apologize. I, you wrote down one eighteen. One eighteen. Yeah, so I, um, this has really no relevance to any important point in the chapter, but they are talking about, um, it says an engorge, oh, they're talking about, uh, Hagrid's pumpkins that he's growing that are like the size of a small shed behind your house, which is funny in itself, but, um, Hermione's like interested in how he did it, because Hermione, um, an engorgement charm, I suppose, said Hermione, halfway between disapproval and amusement, well, you've done a good job on them. And then Hagrid responds, so it's really like this whole paragraph, not so much one quote, but I like how it ends. He says, that's what your little sister said, said Hagrid, nodding at Ron. Met her just yesterday. Hagrid looked sideways at Harry, his beard twitching. <laughs> I'm trying to twitch my beard right now. <laughs> yeah, that's. I actually wanted to ask you that. What does that look or feel like when you twitch your beard? And then it says, said she was just looking around the grounds, but I reckon she was hoping she might run into someone else at my house. He winked at Harry. If you ask me, she wouldn't say no to a signed, and then Harry tells him to shut up. I was like, that was a real zinger from Hagrid. What was he going to finish that sentence with? A signed picture of him and Gilderoy. Oh, okay. <laughs> a signed... Or could be something else. Maybe a little uh, AMP after dark. I don't know. Signed phone number. A signed... What could, you, what could 11-year-old Ginny want from 12-year-old Harry? A signed love letter. Assigned cloak to keep her warm nice. at night. Assigned, like, undershirt. Rachel, you can pipe in at any time. Put I yourself was... in 11-year-old Ginny's shoes here. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. want Harry to let's get the Let's get the female perspective here. The female. I, I would assume, like, a piece of clothing or something. Well, which piece? I don't know. A cloak's too big and clumpy. That's what I was a thinking. A signed Gryffindor sweatshirt that smells like Harry. No, they don't wear sweatshirts. I don't know. You gave, When we were dating, you bo- let me borrow a sweatshirt, and that was nice. But I think a cloak would be too much. So what would it be? So what's the what's the wizard equivalent of, of giving a sweatshirt, then, is what I'm asking. 
I thought that would have been a cloak. It would. No, there's too much fabric. It's like a blank. A cloak can pretty much be a blanket. I think that's romantic. Give him a blanket. You gave me a blanket to take to Spain. Yeah. You didn't sign it, though. I didn't sign it. Here's the better question. Rachel, you are Ginny Weasley. You want... Let's let's go with Hagrid's line of thinking here. You want something signed from Harry Potter. What is it? Probably a small picture that I could carry around with me. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> a signed contract stating love that... Love contract. Yeah, love contract. <laughs> a marriage certificate. A signed marriage certificate. Uh, she's 11. Come on, man. It's going to happen, and I think that Hagrid will officiate Aww. it. And you, your tur over her. Oh, wait, let me get a swig of pumpkin juice. Yeah, I'm sure it's pumpkin juice. I was so proud that Hagrid's drinking didn't get brought up until an hour into this. We did make it a long time. That was good um, for us. Yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of drunk Hagrid and mudbloods and murmurs. It's pretty sober. Uh, but we are on to chapter eight. We do want to give a patron shout out. I just have written down Logan Hayes. Just says Logan Hayes. Shout out to Logan. Logie. <laughs> yep, Logie. Uh, Logan's one of our patrons. He had, He's the one that came up with the idea for Braden's Briefs. And he has been involved in some other podcast-related ideas, so we've appreciated that. Thank you, Logan. Thanks for sponsoring us, Logan. Thanks, Logan. Thanks, Logan. You are, you're also a sponsor. What do you think? You're thinking, I guess you're more than a sponsor. I just wanted to throw it out there that I wanted to be sneaky when I did it. So I put it my name down as Molly Weasley, but <laughs> I put my personal email. So like <laughs> it was Molly Weasley. Foiled again. My name, email, pretty much. So. And yeah, we're producer Jeremy and I are a little too quick for that one. Yeah. Couldn't pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah. There. Well, you're kind of Rogie's life sponsor. <laughs> so true. So we got one more chapter here, the Death Day Party. This one, I think, maybe a little bit shorter, a little bit less to talk about. Um, my yeah. first question is: So Fred and George go and spy on Slytherin's brooms. Are you worried about Slytherin? Do you think they're going to be better at Quidditch than Gryffindor? I do. I think they're going to be really good. I think when you've got a full team of speed like that, like speed kills. so. Yeah, it makes it tough. I mean, can you beat... Can Slytherin you, is the team to beat you, this year. Can you use physicality to match up with that, maybe? I think so. Um, but Fred and... Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Fred and George are like your physical role players yeah they're the beaters i mean they definitely are a little more physical than the other positions see they're just like in the first movie they're super scrawny they're a little scrawny so that worries me a little bit i need to get them in the weight room yeah slytherin is well known too for ha- having beaters that aren't like good flyers and aren't like skilled at aiming they're just big they just old guys people. that can like yeah yeah rip. yeah they're the linebackers yeah, yeah, yeah. Linebackers are even kind of like the offensive linemen, just like or defensive linemen, just like some hog mollies in there. 
I'm thinking in terms of like basketball, like the guy you bring in off the bench that's huge to just foul yep. people. Like he's not good at scoring yep. or really anything else, but the enforcers. He's gonna make uh, the other team's best scorer think about it every time he drives in. That's so. pretty much my role. Yeah, you were kind of that guy in pickup basketball. I Thank liked you. it. I was fouling Jake Z every time he came in the lane. And that's super important if you're not on every Jake's team. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. So we're worried about Sullivan's new brooms. We get some good nearly headless Nick time here. Do you feel bad for him? Do you think he has a case for the headless hunt? Um... Here's the honest truth. This won't be popular. I'm not super interested in nearly headless Nick. <laughs> you could take or leave. This chapter was just Nick confusing backstory. me. <laughs> what was confusing you? Well, yeah, like it was just it like this was just thrown in there randomly. Like I was kind of like, like what is J.K. What, why is this relevant? Why are we worried about nearly headless Nick? You don't think it's fun that ghosts are a thing? It is. I don't think it needed to be a whole chapter. Maybe this should have been my beef. Well, there is, like, little things in here that I feel like will kind of keep us going. Like, it's not all just nearly Headless Nick. Like, there's other stuff in here. Yeah. The quick spell thing caught my interest. What's yeah. what's Filch up to? Yeah, we can go to that. What, why has Filch got a quick spell thing? He's had it. He's had enough of these kids. He's qu- getting mud in the castle. Filch Googled how to kill children with magic. <laughs> And this is what came up. <laughs> and then it was just a picture of whoever the recent, like, Billy Mays guy is with Quickspell. I feel like it's it's a ghost or something. Yeah. And he's just very flamboyant and yelling. So this is something to keep, keep uh, to stay woke on, as the kids are saying these days. What's Filch doing with Quickspell? Filch is being a little extra right now, I think. Yeah. Always. Filch is always extra. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did legitimately think he was being kind of extra with this whole... He he was freaking out about making an example of Harry. And Harry literally just, like, came inside. And Phil starts biting his head off. He's so mad. Yeah, I was a little worried when he, like, made him come down to his office with him. Like, there's no sorts of... There's no sort of supervision in there. And Filch is obviously, like, not mentally stable. Yeah, he, I mean, he was going to give Harry detention. Maybe that's too strong. Can you guys speak to that? Like, is, and I don't want to keep referring to the movie as, like, the ultimate truth, but is he portrayed as, like, kind of off his rocker in the movies? Um, I don't really remember Filch from the first one. He's obsessed with cleanliness, catching, he's just really into catching kids, like, out of bed and doing things wrong. Yeah, see, I think that's he weird. He also hates Peeves so much. I think we all do. Yeah. Harry doesn't like him. He appreciates him, though, here. I was impressed. Nick was like, all right, got to get Harry out of this. Let's go find Peeves, have him knock over a cabinet. That'll distract Filch. Yes. So I like Nick. I want to be clear about that. You just don't care I'm about not him. Super in- yeah, I just don't think he's important <laughs> to the story. He's like, yeah, thanks. Okay, now leave. Yeah kind of one of those so because nick helped harry here he gets him to commit to going to a death day party now i have a question for you here but i think i know your answer to it already a death day party sounds fun 
oh, get to go see what's up in the ghost world, learn about ghosts, um, see what, what they do differently, or it sounds awful. Which one? I think it's the type of party you stop in, say hi, maybe bring a gift, and then get out. That's pretty much what the trio does. Yeah, I think they handled it well. I think if they would have had decent food, Ron would have been would have been in for the long haul. <laughs> I have a question for you, Brayden. When you first mm-hmm. read about like them going down and just like the characteristics of like what the party like made them feel like, like how did you feel like as a reader? Like did you feel like you were like walking into that with them or um like, I feel like when I read this, like, I felt like I was right there. Just, like, how everything was described because she gave so much detail to everything that, yeah. Yeah. No, I I think I would totally agree with that. Like, um, for whatever reason, the description where um, when, like, a ghost, like, passes through you, you feel like you just took an ice shower. Yeah. Like, that, like, really resonated with me. Um and I, I agree, like, the whole, like, it just really painted a mental picture, I guess, of what this would, and it wasn't really what I expected, because obviously, like, any kind of, you, you associate the word party with, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, good music and people talking and having fun and in a relaxed, happy mood, and it's, like, the complete opposite. Yeah. So... It was, um, I think that's something that, and I haven't read all of these books yet, obviously, but I think this is part of what makes this particular series so successful and J.K. Rowling successful as a writer is like, I mean, just how you described it, like she can kind of put you right there in the story, right there in the specific scene, and you can... Like, the, the feeling of the ice shower and the smells of the food and, like, just the the environment that the colors mm-hmm. create. Like, the black drapes and the, like, all of that. I don't know. No, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I my thoughts were. Exa- yeah. Yeah, I think J.K. Rowan's a master of show, don't tell. She, yeah. she doesn't yeah. say, they walked in and the party was dreary and they didn't like it. It's, oh, they're getting cold as they walk down, and it's these colors, and you're just picturing, you just can't help but put yourself there. Man, if I was cold, and I'm walking past these, like, black candles with, like, soft blue flames, and there's rotten food, and you you have to be careful about touching anyone, I mean, you you get that. You You feel that on a visceral level without her, like, stating it like I would if I was writing this. Yeah, like she leads you to the description that she would have used. You, the horse, drink it. Exactly. The muggle horse. As opposed to a wizard horse, which is a unicorn. Mm. Brayden's unicorn. (laughs) So we've we've got a ghost party. It's like, it's a ghost party. Okay. There's food. So like, here's my, here's my question (laughs) ghosts go through walls correct statement ghosts Mm -hmm. can go through walls right Mm -hmm. yep ghosts can go through people 
Yes. So how did yes. they get this food down there? They can't touch things. Peeves. Peeves calmly and collectedly was like, he took their order for rotten peanuts and salmon. You don't think he would have that else? around? Not in the right quantities, and like they, it, it's like actually presented appropriately, like in bowls and stuff. I'm just imagining Peeves flying around the castle, picking up old food that he had shoved in like suits of armor and like behind tapestries and stuff. That's not what I'm picturing here with the type of food that we're talking about specifically. Well, I like my picture better. Bang! Large rotten fish laid on handsome silver platters. Cakes burned charcoal black were heaped on salvers. I don't know what salvers are. Savers? There was a great maggoty haggis. Where's he getting haggis? In the suit of armor head. I'll have the maggoty haggis. Maggoty haggis is like a either the name of a ragtime song from like the twenties <laughs> or a like metal band. We're maggoty haggis. Ooh, I like metal band. Yeah. Maggoty Haggis is definitely a metal band whose lyrics are inspired by their hatred for their parents. <laughs> Where do you think he's getting metal it? Bands. I don't think it was Peeves. Okay. So where else? I don't know. I was trying to think, like, who he, could he pay some sort of ghostly caterer? A caterer to the ghosts? I mean, if death day parties are a thing, then there must be a market for supporting them, right? I mean, party catering is an industry, right? In so the like, real world. He sent out invitations, and, yep. like, there's just a Had whole... Had to pay for those. There's a package. How did he send out get. invitations? Yeah, how do they get them? Because he, like he doesn't owls, have money. Like, ghostly owls come flying in and drop off a letter to him. Maybe they use ghost owls, like dead owls. Guys, guys, yes. magic. <laughs> But they don't have their wands. They don't need them. I just don't know. Um, you met Moaning Myrtle. Your thoughts? Um, I was mostly just... I thought I, I mostly just found it hilarious um, how Hermione deals with her. <laughs> Hermione's like, no. Like, it's so nice to see you outside the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look really pretty. She's like, you don't think I look pretty. You think I look fat. You hate me. <laughs> wow, what'd she say? Miserable, moping, moaning Myrtle. And Pete's is like, and Pimpley. <laughs> don't forget Pimpley. I just don't like, how does one get, how does a ghost get fixated on his or her appearance? You can't, you literally can't change it. How old is she? She is like 13 she's a 13 year old girl 14 fixed on her appearance and she died come on yeah can't argue with that get off me get off me ratings are so good uh so we got moaning myrtle she moans she myrtles and we've really only got one more big thing that happens but it's a pretty big one we get to hear another voice i wrote always a good sign when you're the only one who can hear a disembodied voice can't argue with that. So we get rip, tear, kill. We get so hungry for so long. Kill, time to kill. Okay, I, I just have to say something. I honestly thought that was Ron. <laughs> that said so hungry for so long. 
Because, like, Harry had been telling them to shut up so he could hear the voice. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that to be funny. I really thought that was wrong. Because <laughs> he was, like, disappointed that the food sucked at the ghost party. <laughs> uh, I'm so hungry. So long. <laughs> he ran out of turkey legs that he kept in his cloak. <laughs> he, he was down to, like, his waffles. I've already had my last one. I smell blood. I smell blood. So, given this new set of in- evidence, we've got some new stuff. We've got a petrified cat, Mrs. Norris. And we've got Draco saying, and the means of the air, beware, you'll be next Mudbloods. What do you make of all of this? Talk me through this whole thing. I don't know how. Well, then wa- walk me through your confusion. So my first question is, is Mrs. Norris dead? Mm, fair question. What do you think? Did you abbrevi- Did you just shorten the word question? <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Uh-huh. That is, by definition, extra. Extra. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, that was my first question. Is Mrs. Is Mrs. Norris dead, and why was she the target? I mean, if you um, could kill Mrs. Norris, wouldn't you? Ow. Put that cat out of its misery. I mean, I don't like cats, but don't be mean. Let's look at quality of life here. That cat is bedraggled, <laughs> to say the least. Bedraggled. Holy cow. Excellent word. It has red eyes. Yeah, but What happened to Filch's, it? Filch's, like, companion and friend. And it is a cat. It's a cat. And that's, and that's, and I'm on Ruby's um, team with that statement. Cat professor. We're gonna just gonna throw cat. McGonagall out here. She's a person here? that can turn into a cat. Okay, but that's like her half sister. You don't know how this works. No, she's part of the family. I'm just saying you can't well, be out they here. They could like, be Eskimo sisters. Ugh! Like it's a cat. Why don't you want to go on anyways? Like, just be nice. It's not just that it's a cat. Every cat I see, I don't want to kill. I'm saying Mrs. Norris specifically is an unkind cat. She's never scratched them. Actively, consistently, actively tries to get people in trouble. Well, that's her job. They're not always doing things wrong. I don't know. Honestly, the biggest thing I took from this whole sequence, though, is like it was alarming how Draco felt instantly like empowered by all Mm. of this. Like, he just reacts by, like, stepping into the spotlight and making his comments and throwing out the whole racist term again. So, yeah, I mean, I think that corresponds to how we see race and hate in the real world. I mean, that's what, when when, when racists feel that they're empowered and that they can do what they want to do, then that's when stuff that's when you get your marches and you get your yeah your burnings. but i guess what i'm saying specifically like i'm putting myself in the shoes of just a random student at hogwarts like if i walk through the corridor and see this like i'm freaked out i'm speechless i don't know what's going on and draco instead reacts by like like yeah like beware like He's empowered by So it. he might have some more information. 
than the average kid. Yeah. Yeah. Draco knows something. I think Draco is being recruited by a team Voldemort. Two. Just join the ranks. Yeah, like they see the potential in him as a young wizard and as a rival to Harry, like someone who can get underneath Harry's skin. Um, so Team Voldemort has like scouting meetings, and they're like, "All right, so uh, who have you been checking up on?" And someone's like, "Well, there's this twelve-year-old who shows potential." Okay, racist check. Mad at Harry Potter all the time for no discernible reason. Yeah, he's that, and they're like, "Oh, huh, sounds promising." Bad haircut, <laughs> check. Uh, but, but is he is he like creepy, and does he say? All of his statements with, like, a lot of conviction. He does? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Sign him up. I guess. And I think that Draco is attracted to attention and power. Mm. So I think that if we're going with my sort of prediction, I guess, that he's being recruited by Voldemort, you know, that's obviously that's Voldemort too, right? So, and don't we already know that, like, Lucius was a supporter of Voldemort? Um, we had Fred and George tell us that he that their dad told them, or at least has talked about him, definitely in connection to supporting Voldemort. Yeah, and he already hates Harry, so I feel like it's Voldemort's like, hey, why don't you join the squad? We can, we can make you powerful we can make you a a big deal in the world of wizards and witches and we can the ultimate prize we can help you kill harry potter or you can help me kill harry potter harry potter will be killed and it's fine yeah so do you have any specific ideas what this means the chamber of secrets has been opened enemies of the air beware you think Draco's right? This has something to do with uh, muggle-born wizards? I felt like it was, like, there's some sort of breakthrough that has just happened with Voldemort. Like, he now has access to something he didn't before. Okay. I know that's really vague, but... So it just has something to do with a, but like, a who step, is the a magical heir? step. Yeah, who is the heir? I feel like I can't answer that without knowing, like, the heir of what? The heir to what? The Chamber of Secrets. Well, what the heck is the Chamber of Secrets? Good question. Answer it. What is the Chamber of Secrets? It is a... A a vault of information and spells for the dark arts that could defeat the most powerful wizards. So you get in i.e. Dumbledore. You get into the chamber and that gives you the information that you need to take out really powerful good wizards. Yes. Is it just magic into you or do you have to like read some books? Well, it's got you have to like submit to the dark side, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better I mean, term. It could be like some kind of sacrifice you have to make. Yeah. They're not just going to give it to you, but... Alright. 
Good. Do we have any... Speaking of the Chamber of Secrets, you were recently in the Chamber of Sea quotes, right? I was. Did you, did you find it? in any, there for quite some time. Any good quotes? My favorite one from Chapter 8 was on page 133. It is a simple quote, but it's a great quote. <laughs> it is... Ron... Um, interrupting conversation at as they've walked into the death day party and Ron says look food so this was just funny for me because I've we're always you know we've got the running joke of Haggard being sort of potentially an alcoholic and now we have the running joke of Ron just always eating <laughs> always hungry and so this was just perfect. We here at Mogul's Perspective like to confirm our biases. Yes. That is pretty great. Ron, like, Hermione's clearly trying to tell them something. And Ron's like, uh, food. And I kind of imagine, like, as Ron, and, or as Hermione and Harry, like, turn to look at Ron, like, he's not there. And they look back up and he's over at the table, like, you know leafing through things like trying to figure out what it is he wants to eat yeah he's hoping that like there's going to be something that he'll be able to eat there yeah so that's my quote good chamber of sea quotes yes. so guest patron do you have any thoughts to sum up these two chapters mudbloods and murmurs and the death day party I thought these were some pretty good chapters, just kind of like further us along um, and give us just more details of what's happening. It was kind of hard for me just because I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> and I'm very good at spoiling things. So you gained some newfound respect for the host. Yes. <laughs> and I would just forget that like I was supposed to be interacting and I would just sit here and giggle at you guys because that's what I do when I listen. So Well, if you listeners want to get the chance to sit here quietly in front of a microphone while we record and get to hear things sooner, get to hear some behind-the-scenes stuff, you too can garner that opportunity. I didn't set myself up well to finish that sentence. Braden, how can more people get on the show? They can become patrons. How? By going to <laughs> our... <laughs> I was like scrambling for the the uh, name of the page. Word, word, what's the word? <laughs> Patreon.com. So you yes. can go there and you can search Muggles Perspective or you can just go to Patreon.com slash Muggles Perspective. Yes. They can also subscribe if they haven't already. They can rate and review the show on iTunes. If only there was some efficient way to find the links that they need to subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Hmm. Wait. Rachel, do you have any idea of how they could do we that? We have that now. We have a website. Yeah, we do have a website. Producer Jeremy, out of the goodness of his heart, texted us a couple days ago and was like, look, I'm just buying MugglesPodcast.com. Like, we're just, this is just happening. So we have a website now. Boom. And yes, it looks pretty basic at the moment. It's not going to look exactly like this forever. We're going to get some pictures on here. 
Um, we've got a background. Oh, there, I can see the Hogwarts Express now. I didn't see that the first time. Uh, we've got some background. Um, we'll get some some more links and some pictures and things like that. I mean, it'll, but it's kind of fun to have your own website. But it does have a link to the Instagram and Facebook page where you can interact with Trivia Tuesday and Witch Wednesday and see all the posts that we post. I was not aware of Witch Wednesday. Yeah, we've got Meme Monday, Trivia Tuesday, Witch Wednesday. It's where I give you a choice. So um, kind of like which detention would you rather have, Filch or Lockhart? Last week's, I think, was would you rather have a broken wand for the year or have Lockhart as a professor? So it's kind of a this or that. Do you know what Thursday is, okay. Braden? No. I know, you don't. Uh, it's Trendy Thursday. So I put mm. some kind of You have merch. told me that before. Yep, and then Funny Friday. So, come do that. Comment. Post your issues, questions, amusements with Braden. Braden doesn't get on. We're not spoiling him. So it's fine. That's fair. That's a good point. Uh, we want to thank our producer and editress Jeremy and Jessica uh, they do an awesome job of making sure this gets out and it sounds great we think it sounds pretty great the sound quality we don't think that we say great things because we're not pompous I think you guys sound great and I think Jeremy and Jessica are great for making you sound great <laughs> thank you and, uh, yeah, join us next time for chapters 9 and 10 of Chamber of Secrets. See you then. Bye.